Is 2023 the year of psychedelic legalization? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday. No, happy Tuesday. I'm losing my days there. Happy Tuesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briannicholshow.com forward slash Stratus IP. So uh, last year, we talked about psychedelics, and uh, we had a couple of episodes where we've talked about the the uh, improvements in in using them as therapeutics, but also the means that they've been used to help uh, those traditionally who have not had uh, their their issues that they've been dealing with uh, men- medically dealt with. And, and when you're looking specifically at our friends in the veteran community, we've seen a lot of issues there. And psychedelics being a really great tool to help uh, really serve as some types of means of relief. And uh, to join us today, talk about the legalization aspect of things. Joining us from the Libertas Institute, Amy Pomeroy. Amy, thanks for joining us here in the Brian Nichols Show. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. It's great to be here. Absolutely, Amy. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to today's conversation. And yes, we are talking about the uh, the, the point where we are right now. Psychedelics have improved in the, the narrative, right? The narrative standpoint. This has been the hardest po- uh, part. We've talked about this in the show many a time with past guests is getting past the narratives of uh, yesteryear and talk about what the advancements in the, not just the technology, but also in the ability to talk about psychedelics has, has gotten us to where we are to today. But I'm putting the cart before the horse. Amy, first, do us a favor. Introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience and also why we're going to be talking about psychedelic legalization today. Yeah, so my name is Amy Pomeroy. I work for the Libertas Institute here in Utah. I'm the director of policy. I work mostly on criminal justice reform. And one of our most uh, pressing, most exciting criminal justice reforms is we are planning to bring some legislation this session to Utah, which would legalize psilocybin for medical uses. So talk to us about... The, the stuff I'm sure you're, you're facing from some challenges, right? And, and we talked about this in the past, but what are you currently experiencing the main challenges that are, you're, you're facing legally, but also societally? So like you mentioned, I mean, there is a lot of baggage. When you say the word psychedelics, people probably picture, you know, some tie dye and I don't know, maybe some crazy sixties behavior, but. Even though drugs escaped the lab uh, back in the 60s, there's really a lot of strong science showing that uh, psychedelics, especially psilocybin, work really well um, for legitimate medical purposes. Um, Johns Hopkins has done some great research showing how it helps people with depression and with end of life uh, anxiety. And, you know, they're taking one or two doses of psilocybin and they're finding that they're they're getting relief that lasts months. potentially indefinitely, right? And this is so much different than the anti-anxiety medications, the SSRIs that are currently on the market that you take every day. You generally see diminishing returns after time. For a lot of people, they're never effective in the first place. So this could really be a game changer for a lot of people who are suffering. Talk to us about what you're seeing, I guess, is some of the main pro uh, psychedelics, I know again, using that term, but the pro psychedelic arguments that you could see, is, is there anything that really has come out recently that's leading more in the favor? 
I think one thing that's helping is that the slow progression, it's becoming more and more normalized. Um, there have been a number of, of books and articles. Um, How to Change Your Mind is a great book. It recently became a Netflix documentary. And it's really bringing that awareness to the current state of science that's helping change minds. That and we've seen a lot of cities decriminalize psilocybin and other psychedelics. And then in 2020, uh, Oregon legalized psilocybin as well as other drugs. And then just a couple months ago in Colorado, there was a ballot measure legalizing uh, psilocybin as well as a couple other psychedelics. And so you're really seeing um, the narrative become more mainstream. And a lot of people who maybe would have instantly shut it out are realizing, hey, the narrative I know about drugs doesn't necessarily apply to psilocybin. There's a lot more nuance there, right? Like heroin is not the same as meth, is not the same as LSD, is not the same as psilocybin, right? We can't lump them all together. What are some common questions that you often get asked? Because I mean, right, this is a, a not necessarily a weird topic, but it's just a topic that has not been allowed, it feels like, for so many years. So I'm sure a lot of folks have some questions for you. So what are some of the top questions you could ask, Amy? I think one of the things I hear most is, are psychedelics safe? Is psilocybin safe? And the research here is really interesting because you almost can't eat enough psilocybin to overdose. Um, they've never had a, a human report a death from a psilocybin overdose. And when they've tested it on animals, it takes a very large amount to kill a, a rat or a mouse. And if you translate that into human terms, Basically, you'd have to go and eat several pounds of dried psilocybin mushrooms to overdose. And if you've ever eaten a dry mushroom, a shiitake or anything, like you're not going to want to eat three pounds of that. You would have to try very hard to overdose. So it's really safe uh, in terms of toxicity and also in terms of mental health. Um, in the 60s, you know, there were kind of these stories of, ah, oh, you're going to lose your mind. And that's pretty much all been debunked, right? It's not going to make you go crazy. It's not going to kill you. It's one of the safest uh, psychoactive substances we have. And you were talking about earlier some of the, the means by using psychedelics to help deal with depression, anxiety, a lot of our mental health issues. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? And now, a word from our sponsors. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, um, I, maybe I'd like to start by telling a, an anecdote about a, a man I met in, in my work for, for psilocybin. Sure. His name's Eric. He was a veteran. He served in Afghanistan. He served in Iraq. He was a pilot. And after doing five tours, uh, he was forced to resign because of a medical issue. He had, had an inner ear issue. He couldn't fly anymore. And so after that, he just kind of felt adrift. Plus, he had all this you know trauma from being in the military for so many years um, and he was diagnosed with PTSD. He was diagnosed with depression. Um, his family just really noticed a change in him that he wasn't the same happy, outgoing person he'd always been. Um, he went to a doctor who gave him an SSRI. He tried it um, and he really just noticed those diminishing returns that it wasn't working for him. He kind of was getting getting desperate and he decided that he needed to grow some psilocybin and, and give that a try. And he did. And it just, it changed his whole perspective. He hasn't been depressed since. He's overcome his PTSD. He doesn't have to be on SSRIs anymore. Like it was really um, pretty life-changing for him in just a few doses. And 
Uh, when you consider the rates of suicide among our vets, uh, it's 37 per 100,000. I mean, that's well above what it is for the rest of the population. It's kind of, uh, I think it's just unconscionable that we're not making this available to people uh, when we know there's such a problem. You, uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about earlier the more acceptance from the mainstream. What do you think is leading to that? Is is it more that we're talking about the, the use of psychedelics openly or people are seeing friends they know seeing the benefit firsthand and now hearing about it versus only seeing that one narrative? I think it's, I think there's two things there, right? Like there's the science to back it up. There's been a lot more funding for science uh, regarding this. It's become much more mainstream. Uh, With psilocybin, they're on phase three trials of psilocybin. So, I mean, it's, it's getting there. It's becoming, like I said, more mainstream. And then the other part is the anecdotes, right? This used to be something that was very, very hush hush. And now people are more willing to talk about it and share their experiences. Um, regardless of it being illegal, lots of people are using it. And chances are you you probably know somebody who has tried psilocybin. Um, and so I think that's changing a lot of minds when you see that, hey, here's someone I just talked to a real human and they've used psilocybin. And you know what? They just seem like a normal human being. They're not <laughs> off their rocker. Everything's fine. And maybe they're even better than they used to be. Ask some of our friends. We've done some uh, candidate trainings uh, for different state and, and county parties for different uh, political organizations here. And I've, I've said, if you want to talk to folks and relate to them like a normal person, well, you got to act like a normal person, believe it or not. Uh, talk to us about what you're seeing as some of the, the big roadblocks still in the way in order to get this legalization process moving. Uh, honestly, in Utah, things are going really well. We've got a sponsor for our bill. All right. And I was really surprised because I reached out to a lot of the law enforcement agencies and things, and I was expecting to have to do some pretty hard selling. And for the most part, what I'm hearing is, you know, as long as this is for medical uses and there's reasonable guardrails around it, we don't want to get in between patients and their doctors. Hmm. Um, and so... I think our biggest roadblock right now is maybe ignorance, right? There's, there is a segment of the population who just hasn't heard about this. It's not on their radar and it can take some, uh, it takes some energy to educate, but I think we're making strides in that. Now you talked about the medical side of things. What about the recreational side of things? Cause I'm sure that there will inevitably be that slippery slope argument, right? You look at medical cannabis, medical marijuana, that's turned into recreational marijuana across the country. So the logic would state, well, stand to reason at least, that maybe that is the next logical progression here. Um, I mean, it's a it's a valid point because some states that have uh, legalized medical cannabis have then gone to recreational cannabis. Here in Utah, we just have medical cannabis. And our program has actually been pretty successful at, um, you know, putting guardrails around that. So we can still tell what's legal and what's illegal. And we're actually building on that successful framework for psilocybin, right? We're going to follow a lot of the same processes that have been used with cannabis. Um, and so we don't have to recreate the wheel. It's not going to be super expensive for taxpayers to recreate this whole framework. Um, and we're going to be able to provide this to people medically and safely. And frankly, when you talk about recreational use, that is happening already and it's happening wise, uh, widely. And that's what, what's sad to me is that's where the danger comes from. Before I came to Libertas, I was a prosecutor and I had one case where someone wanted to use psilocybin responsibly and they invited their friend to come watch over them. And he ended up, um, you know, kind of trying to sexually assault her while he was 
you know, under the influence and she didn't know what to do. She was a professional with no training or she wasn't a professional. She had no training. And so by medicalizing this, people who want to use it can use it in a responsible way. Whereas right now they're getting stuff on the black market. They don't know what's in it. They don't know how strong it is. They don't know if it's pure and they don't have adequate supervision. And so that's really making it illegal is what's causing problems and danger. Well, and this is, I mean, this is the argument we hear all the time, right? For why the war on drugs has consistently failed. So it just stands to reason as well that it will continue to fail in this area as well. So I guess to those detractors, to those naysayers of what seems like the inevitable, I, talk to us, I guess, in terms of what are their main concerns? What are they bringing up to you saying, Amy, but think of X, Y, Z. I mean, there's always the think of the children, right? <laughs> of course. We don't want to the- think of the children, Amy. Come on. Do you hate children and puppy dogs and rainbows? No. So, we, I mean, this uh, our, our bill is only for people who are 21 and older, and we've got a pretty strict inventory control system. Uh, it has to be recommended by a physician or someone with prescribing authority. It has to be used in an office with a trained therapist. So really, the possibility of diversion is just not there. And I also think you have the added benefit of um, when it becomes more mainstream medically, you're going to increase people's ability to talk about this openly and educate people, including children about, hey, this is a useful medicine. You don't want to use it because your brain is still growing. (laughs) And it it really opens up a a possibility for open and honest dialogue that doesn't exist right now. Away from just like the psychedelic conversation in general, but I mean, how, how damaging really has it been for generations of the stigmas that we put around certain very useful drugs that are not your pharmaceutical drugs, so they don't have the the folks in the fancy white lab coats giving their their trademark seal of approval, but you know rather it might be the guy with the uh, like the shawl rug in the the big uh, beard, you know, and the hippie glasses that gives you gives you marijuana, and that that was like. I think that right there has been something that we've had to face. And I say we just like as a society, right? Like this is, there's so much that we have missed out on. And I mean, we go through every commercial for every pharmaceutical uh, drug that's out there. And the list of side effects is enough to to make, you know, anybody tuck tail and run. And yet when you look at like marijuana, the the mentality that some folks have when it regards marijuana, they, they will look at marijuana as if it is more dangerous than like Oxycontin or, or name, I mean, name your, your opioid that you have there that that's brought in and paid for by big pharma. So I guess it is something when you look at the, the generations of folks who, how much pain and suffering could we have avoided? I guess is, is my point. If we had had a more rational, logical, reasonable conversation, particularly about issues and and drugs like what we're talking about here today with psychedelics, psilocybin, and so forth. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there, Brian. Um, I think the first thing is our our scheduling system, the federal drug scheduling system is not based on science, right? And I think we implicitly just trust that, oh, you said it's a schedule one drug and it has possibilities of being dangerous and addictive and it has no medical use. We're just going to trust that because who who has time to delve into that, right? Um, trust but the I experts. Just, yeah, right. And I think it's, they, they've proven again and again that they're not worthy of that trust because really the science does not match the scheduling. And when you talk about how many people have, um, you know, suffered unnecessarily, we had science in the 50s and 60s. Uh, there were literally like over a thousand papers published in those decades on psychedelics and they were getting great results. 
uh, and then we just shut that down. And so we have had decades of people suffering who could have been, uh, you know, living more healthy, healthy, productive lives. Here in Utah, we have some of the highest suicide rates in the nation. Um, we have like 11% of Utahns report a major depressive episode. The national suicide rate is 14 per 100,000. And here in Utah, it's 21 per 100,000. And so we're not just talking quality of life. We're talking about whether someone has a life at all. And to me, it's just so sad to think about all those people who could still be alive if they, you know, had access to this. I've talked to people who credit psilocybin with saving their life. And it makes me so sad that that's only been available to people who have found, sought out this underground knowledge and have had to get it illegally or grow it themselves and then use it without supervision. And it's really scary. And how many people, you know, aren't brave enough or knowledgeable to do that? And it, it, it's costing lives and it's costing quality of life for a lot of people. Well, I guess uh, this is why we're doing what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols Show and frankly what you're doing, Amy, over at the Libertas uh, Institute and, and trying to help leave folks, yeah, educated, enlightened, and informed because there's so much, and we talk about when we're going out and talking to your average person, there's so much that your average person is having to deal with, right, in, in their day-to-day. -day. So it's on us to be able to make this stuff easy to understand, so what you're doing and being able to not only raise this up politically and, and do so through the, the legislative process, what you're doing in Utah right now, but across the board, having the conversation and resetting the narrative, helping folks understand, no, that the narratives that we've been passed down for generation after generation, not only are they wrong, many times they were, they were purposefully put in place to, to divert us from the real alternatives that are out there. And yeah, that's uh, many maybe to put some um, dollars in the uh, pockets of big pharma. But that's, a, I think, a conversation for a different episode, Amy. With that being said, we are getting close to the end of the episode. So, of course, I want to make sure I give you the chance to leave us with some final thoughts. And, of course, where folks can go ahead and follow you and continue the conversation if they want to learn more. Oh, well, you can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on, uh, not Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, and I, if I could just leave you with a few parting words. Please. This is psilocybin is is revolutionary in that it's not a band aid, right? It's not numbing your pain. It's not masking it. It's not putting a band aid on a giant wound. It's actually changing the structure of your brain. It's making it more plastic so you can think through uh, the underlying causes of your anxiety or your depression, and you can actually resolve it in a healthy way and create new thought patterns. And to me, that is so inspiring that um, we have a totally new way to deal with this that gets at the root of it. And I just hope that we can make this available to as many people as possible. Perfect. Well, we'll do that. We'll do this. We'll, we'll go ahead and include the uh, links for anywhere that folks can go ahead and find you, the Libertas Institute, but also to keep in touch. So they can see what's going on in the show notes. All you got to do, folks, is click the artwork in your podcast catcher. If you're joining us here on the audio version of the show, which I know 95% of you are, uh, all you got to do is click that artwork and it'll bring you over to briannicholshow.com where you can find today's episode, the entire transcript of today's episode. Plus, you can find all 651 other episodes of the program. And uh, with that being said, please go ahead and follow yours truly on uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, B. Nichols Liberty. Also, by the way, folks, uh, really excited. We have a brand new ebook that's coming out here this Friday, How to Win 
your local election. If you want to go ahead and uh, get this brand new ebook, well, make sure you go ahead and email me, brian at briannicholsshow.com. Between now and then, I will add you to the list, or you can go ahead. Uh, we're going to have that link go live on Friday. Either way, this book is going to be a great resource for candidates out there who are either uh, running for local office, they're running for re-election for local office, or they're thinking about it because... At the end of the day, running for local office, a lot of the folks out there, they're average people just like uh, just like us who are trying to say, hey, I want to make a difference in the world, but I don't know what to do. How do I start out doing this whole politics thing? How do I do fundraising and build a campaign team? All that and more we're going to discuss. And uh, also that will uh, coincide with our candidate school, which we're going to be hosting over on our Patreon part of Brian Nichols, uh, Brian Nichols Consulting. So guys, if you want to go ahead and join our candidate school, head over to briannicholsshow.com forward slash candidate school uh, link will be at the top of the homepage there. Otherwise, that's all I have for you guys today. Uh, do me a favor, by the way, folks, if you have not hit the subscribe button here on YouTube, Rumble, or on Odyssey, where we have our video version of the show, please do so. And also hit that little notification bell so you don't say single time we go live. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Amy Pomeroy. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.